Hello and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm one of today's co-hosts, Alok Tai. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Vibe Bio. Vibe partners with patient communities to develop novel therapeutics. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, co-founder of Biotech 2050 and today's other host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is a tech platform that is solving the talent crisis in the life sciences industry by democratizing access to the world's best expertise. I'm very excited to welcome Luisa Afsilius, founding CEO at Alterna, an origination partner at Flagship Pioneering, and Theoni Anastasiadis, co-founder and chief innovation officer of Alterna and a principal at Flagship Pioneering. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Wonderful. So to start off, Lovisa, we'd love to learn a bit more about your background and how you got to where you are today. Happy to. So my name is Lovisa Vsilius and I'm one of the origination partners with Flagship Pioneering. I'm actually a computational chemist by training, so that's my PhD. So I think everything that I've done throughout these years is really many times towards the computational side of things. Then I also did an MBA over at MIT to bring a little bit more of that business acumen. But I think my sort of entrepreneurial journey really started really from my childhood, where building things was really central to my childhood, in the sense that my dad would always say, if I said, let's buy something, he would always say, we can build it ourselves and we can build it so much better. And we built remote controlled buses and we built propellers and we built electrifying doorbells, so you can name it. He was always optimistic. But what we did was always really hard. So I think what that sort of brought was this mindset that you have to have quite a bit of persistence. And I think that's something that I've brought with me throughout this journey, that it's really around, of course, you can do it, but then you just have to sort of push it through and get towards the next stage. Otherwise, you won't reach that final goal that you're looking for. I started it AstraZeneca and I was with AstraZeneca for 13 years. And out of, I would say, serendipity, AstraZeneca was closing down the site I was at, and I was asked if I wanted to stay in another site or do something different. And then I got an offer to start as a CEO of a small biotech in Sweden in neurodegenerative diseases. So that's what I did during a period of time. And that was actually you know, quite a bit of learnings for me as to learning what's different between the Swedish setting of biotech as opposed to what it looks like here. After moving on from um, the small biotech, I was recruited to Pfizer here in the U.S. So I got the chance to see the U.S. side of things as well. And then in 2017, I joined the flagship ecosystem with one of the portfolio companies and got to know and got to learn a lot about flagship. And in the beginning of 2020, I joined flagship as an origination partner. And well, here I have an origination team where we build companies together, out of which one is Alterna that we are talking about today. Wonderful. Thanks, Lovisa. And you hinted at this a bit. What are some of the commonalities as well as biggest differences between the Swedish biotech ecosystem and the one we have here in Boston? So I think that the startup environment, at least when I was in Sweden, and this is now like beginning 2013 or so, is that it was a lot of spoon feeding when it comes to financing. You always went and raised money, much smaller amounts of money. You have to choose between doing what you could afford to do rather than what you should really do in order to get it to the best possible place. And I think that's looking back now and in the context of flagship, 
it's much more as to if you have a really good idea and you have a really good plan as to how you bring that one forward, there is capital to access in a quite different way. I think more generally, what I think I brought with me from that first experience being CEO of a small biotech is that that was very much a you know single asset company. And it makes you take decisions that are constantly with the mindset of how do I bring my single assets forward? And I think that is something now with flagship where we're building much more platform companies. That is quite a different mindset because with the platform, you can constantly sort of look at what are all the different options that you have in front of you. And you can be much more objective as to what you choose to move forward because you have so many different optionalities. So it may not be as much a difference between the Boston and the Swedish but it's much more as to how we think about, in a way, bigger versions of everything in the Boston setting. Great. Thanks, Lisa. And Theone, over to you in terms of your background and the arc of your career. Thank you. My name is Theone Nisistiadis, and I'm a principal at Flagship Pioneering. A lot like uh, Lovisa, I feel like I dabbled in a lot of things when I was a child. I used to love using things around the house to build bookcases or birdhouses. We lived behind a creek, so that's where I did a lot of exploring in terms of vegetation, animals. And then I've always enjoyed problem solving, which gravitated me towards sports like rock climbing. It wasn't until middle school that I really fell in love with biology. And that's when I found out that a lot of biology was actually not well understood and there was still a lot to be discovered. And that's where a profession such as a scientist existed to discover and unearth this biology. And so it was right then and there that I decided to make my lifelong passion to explore biology and become a scientist. So I pursued the academic track, which at the time was the only path I knew where I could, in an unbound state, just explore this beautiful subject. I was pretty blown away when I found out about the existence of uh, flagship pioneering, which not only allowed for this completely unbound freedom to explore, but really push the limits of what we know today and go about exploring new areas. And then that's paired with the fact that we are um, surrounded by resources that allow us to really accelerate these findings and bring them to patients, which was also something that I was very passionate about. Together during the last, you know, over four years that I've been here, I've, you know, led explorations, uh, worked with a lot of our portfolio companies, and then, of course, co-founded and continue to grow and develop Alterna, which I'm excited to keep doing. Wonderful. Thanks, Theoni. And before we get into the exciting work that you all are pursuing at Alterna, it'd be really helpful for context for our listeners to have some background on flagships history in exploring RNA platforms and perhaps you know, set the stage for what you're working on at Alterna. Absolutely. So I think Flagship has really you know, a decade-long experience in building bioplatforms in RNA. I mean, it started off, as we all know, with Moderna and mRNA. And since then, we've launched, for example, La Ronde, which is endless RNA. And now we are then moving towards one more area of RNA, which is Alterna, which is around tRNA. What we can do is that we can really leverage the ecosystem as to all the knowledge that has been generated over these last 10 years or so. And that's been extremely helpful, I think, in many different aspects. I think one of them being just a mindset of thinking about programmable therapeutics, which RNAs really are but also the concept of thinking about RNA and building platform companies on a digital backbone. 
where you're sort of constantly generating large amounts of data, you're constantly analyzing that data, and how you can use advanced analytics, etc., to advance your findings in a much more reproducible and easily reproducible and create novel programmable therapeutics towards new threats very rapidly. So I think much of those mindsets we have learned from the flagship ecosystem, and that has just put a great framing for building Alterna as a new tRNA modality. In that context, when we look at some of the challenges that exist with RNA-based therapeutics, you know, delivery often sort of comes up as a key issue. Kind of curious how you've seen that manifest amongst the portfolio of RNA work that flagships companies is pursuing. Yeah, I think that is one of the areas we can absolutely collaborate around, which has been very, very helpful. I mean, there are certain delivery mechanisms that we can use for tRNA that has previously been used for mRNA, for example. We're also developing a much broader toolkit for ourselves as well that is much more suited towards the modality that we are developing. But absolutely, is that one of the areas that together with manufacturing are areas where we can just learn tons from each other and uh, leverage as we're moving forward. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Obviously, I think everyone is somewhat familiar with mRNA and its importance, right, uh, in terms of helping end the pandemic. But, you know, tRNA might not be quite as familiar to the broader audience. Any chance you could just give us a quick overview of tRNA and aspects of sort of how that helped found Alterna? So when we think about, you know, the central dogma, we talk about the DNA that's been transcribed to the mRNA and then translated to protein. But what we many times overlook is a very important last step, which is literally if you open up the ribosome, it is actually the tRNA with its anticodon that very precisely reads the mRNA and adds exact right amino acid onto the growing polypeptide chain. So if there is no tRNA, there will be no protein translated. But yet it's one of those elements that has been completely overlooked as a modality. But that is really what Alterna is all about. It is about leveraging and understanding the totality of that biology and using the preciseness of this molecule so that we can treat millions and millions of patients. And what's quite fascinating with this modality as such is that since we are you know, correcting a mutation directly on the mRNA, we can actually read a mutational correction and replace it with the exact right amino acid across any protein that share that same genetic alteration. So with this very unique modality, we could literally take one tRNA molecule and use the same one to treat thousands and thousands of diseases. So that's just a perspective that makes us very excited. One out of very many different perspectives that makes us very excited because it gives us just the possibility to address a lot of ultra-rare and rare diseases, as well as common genetic diseases with a single molecule and a lot of unmet need that can be met with such an approach. Theone, if you want to share the actual origination of the company from the very beginning... Yeah, happy to. As some of you may be familiar with already, Flagship has four phases of venture creation process, which is very systematic. The first phase is the exploration phase, where we explore underexplored areas of biology or challenge dogma or apply new lens to an old problem. And uh, we start by asking what if questions. These questions are then pressure tested, and that either kills them or allows them to evolve into a stronger version of themselves. 
once we feel like we have a what if question that is strong enough to lead to a breakthrough and unlock a new set of opportunities and that we can build a bio platform around, we then launch what's called a prototype company or a protoco. And that's where we are able to answer any remaining unanswered questions that come from this hypothesis. And so in that time, we essentially experimentally pressure test these different hypotheses. And if we end up finding the answer to that, what if question with it turns out and we find something very exciting, we essentially move to the next phase, which is the NUCO phase, where we focus on building out that bio platform and growing the team around that. And then the final phase is graduating to the growth go stage of the venture creation process. So within that venture creation process of flagship, Alterna, as many of our other companies, came from this process. During the exploration phase of the origination process, that's when um, I came across this field of tRNA biology and realized that they really have a role outside of just being this adapter molecule, as Louisa described, from decoding mRNA to protein. And the more I learned about tRNAs, the more I was surprised to find how diverse they are both in their sequence space, but also in their modification space and start to wonder what if we could look at the central dogma through that tRNA lens? What are the things that this would unlock? Being that decoder between mRNA and protein, you really can think of tRNAs as the central molecule to the translation step. And by controlling it, you can actually dictate and change the underlying code into something new at the protein level. And by doing that, you can essentially change any underlying issues with the code. So mutations that cause diseases, you could actually engineer tRNAs to then be able to recognize the error, but then fix it by putting the correct normal amino acid. In addition, if you could actually control the tRNA supply, you could actually control and dictate which mRNAs then can get translated. By doing this, you can control biological processes, which can lead to you know, dysregulation of health and um, therefore disease. And then finally, a really surprising fact that many people don't know is that tRNAs can actually break into smaller pieces called fragments. And these fragments have actually novel functions that are completely outside of the decoding functions of tRNAs. So these fragments have been implicated in many different areas of biology. So when you put all of these things together, you can quickly imagine a whole new world where if you were able to program these tRNAs as medicines, you could actually have a really large therapeutic impact. Before we just jumped into the protocol stage, one of the first questions we asked is, why has no one been you know, looking at this? Why is this so underexplored? And we quickly came to realize that the basic methodologies to study tRNAs were not well-developed. And so expressing tRNAs, quantifying tRNAs, synthesizing them, et cetera, were all things that were not very clearly established. And so that was a big part of when we transitioned to that second stage, the protocol, that we had to establish proprietary methodologies to be able to unlock this space. And then in addition to that, also pressure test the biology and see if all these ideas and looking at the central dogma through tRNA lens could actually lend themselves to be true. And so that was a big portion of the protocol phase. 
And then we, at the start of the pandemic, essentially became a NUCO, and that's where we've really built out the platform capabilities as well as started to integrate all of our data to be able to unlock AI predictive capabilities. And then, of course, you know, almost most importantly, built out a fantastic team that is able to continuously develop and grow and really enhance this platform and company. Great, Theoni. Thanks for that, that comprehensive background. For the benefit of any aspiring entrepreneurs that may be listening, when you're working on an entirely new treatment modality, talk to us about perhaps your approach or or more broadly flagship's approach to validation of a new modality and getting it to the point of being able to raise venture dollars. And then we'd love to obviously talk about the recent round that you raised and what you hope to achieve over the next several years. Absolutely. So What we're building within Flagship is really bio platforms. And I think that is a very, very important piece because as you get into a new modality, there are so many things that are unknowns and you will always have some biology risk because biology is complicated. But then you will also have different technology risks, risks that are different for each modality. And how we're approaching it, and I think is how we at Flagship, I would say, is approaching it and very much at Altona as well, is that we're aiming towards moving towards clinic with a very, very broad portfolio in the sense of we want to create a platform where we have de-risked you know, all the different technical risks that we can think of in parallel and do that de-risking more or less simultaneously. So for every iteration of experiments that you do, you learn a ton of things that guides you towards what is the next step that you should be doing. It's very easy to get into a single asset or this looks good, let's run on this one, but constantly pushing ourselves to think broader and explore the breadth of the platform and all the different opportunities that you can see with the modality so that you're mapping out a breadth of potential futures for yourself, which you would be all willing to go down that path. That is very important when you're approaching a new modality because you don't really know where the biggest challenges will occur. Instead, map them out and really try to de-risk them as much as possible in parallel. Great. Thanks, Lovisa. Let's talk a bit about the recent financing round that came together and how you are approaching deploying that capital to further development of the platform. So we've been around for about three years and we've been, you know, Flagship has uh, committed capital to where we are today. In total, Flagship so far has committed around $50 million for now and also over the future. Right now, we have a path for us moving forward where we are really looking to build out that broad sort of platform play that we're talking about. And as we are moving ahead, we'll also invite other investors to join us to support the company plans when the time is right. So yes, we are fully funded by Flagship and they are sort of helping us to rapidly develop the platform as we're moving along. Great. And from the perspective of talent, as I'm sure you'll, you'll be building out a team now, When you are exploring something that is so novel, and there aren't a lot of people that have worked on tRNA, obviously, how do you go about building out a diverse team? And, you know, what are you looking for, given that, you know, most of the folks that you'll be bringing on won't have experience in the treatment modality because you guys are developing it now? I mean, I think that it's fair to say that not everyone on the team, in fact, most people will not have had experience with a new modality. 
But I think that there's a lot of skills that can just be transferred from, from other fields. And that's actually something that we value because that allows us then to apply from a diverse background, have multiple looks at the problem. And so actually, it's almost better that we have people without that expertise and that has external expertise that we can then apply to this new field with, as you mentioned, building out and ensuring that we have a diversity of backgrounds, expertise, et cetera, that then bring different lenses to that problem. Yeah. And I would add to that, I mean, curiosity is just such an important piece to this one as to making sure that getting those folks around you that are really curious about learning more, learning from diverse aspects of things and really bringing that all together. And I think we've tried really, really hard to hire, you know, the strongest possible people that we can think about and create a trust amongst everyone so that everyone tries and tests and iterates and innovates and constantly being curious about how we can take this to the next level. I mean, it's not just building the team from the very beginning. It's also a lot about maintaining the culture in the team and continue to build out a culture where everyone thrives and you give talent possibility to grow so that they will be essential, not just today in the history of Alterna, but also moving forward. Yeah, I think to us, diversity is always very important as well. And we work hard in making sure that we always have the right set of candidates that allows us to become as broad and as diverse of a company we possibly can. It's really interesting. I did my postdoc with George Whitesides at Harvard. And one of the things he always loved to do is sort of mix, you know, theoretical physicists with mathematicians and biologists and chemists and get this interesting sort of melting pot of scientific ideas. He always used to sort of describe it as getting something for nothing when you're able to bring an idea from one domain to another. So I'm just kind of curious for both of you in your careers, what's maybe one really interesting example where you've sort of seen that transfer of ideas from an adjacent domain into maybe the current one of focus? We'd love to sort of maybe hear some examples. When I did my PhD, I was literally such that my PhD was created in order to bring someone on board who could bring together computational and biology. And this was like beginning 2000 where you did not use that much computational tools, in particular not in the context of, in this case, drug metabolism and pharmacokinetics. And it was interesting because, you know, when we presented our first neural networks, people were just looking at us and had absolutely no belief in what we were doing. But when we started to, you know, compare our results to the most well-renowned biotransformation scientist who was also on the team, and we sort of helped each other to interpret the data and really build the models together so that we constantly had the best understanding from an experimental standpoint, as well as a computational standpoint in the same room at the same time. I think that was when we started to get some credibility for what we were doing, because we had the right people in the room to address all the different aspects of it. And I think that's also how we managed to sort of move that forward, which was then a very nascent field. Yeah, maybe one example that I can think of is I spent a lot of time studying kinase inhibitors and characterizing their different molecular properties and, you know, how specific they are, how potent they are, et cetera. And so maybe just taking that lens of breaking down features of a molecule, whether it's a chemical molecule or an RNA, by thinking of the sequence diversity, the chemistry, the different interactions with all of the different tRNA partners, if you actually just break them down into like parameters and just features, you could actually just apply this essentially small molecule design to RNA medicines. 
And given the novel nature of the treatment modality that you all are pursuing, any lessons learned around indication selection and perhaps a framework? Because you know you can certainly you're not going to boil the ocean. You talked about the breadth of possibilities, but how will you go about selecting an indication, or what's worked for you in the past that you hope to bring into this experience? One piece, absolutely, is having the data to support your decisions. Both the data with regard to where is the biology the strongest. Where is the greatest unmet need? Where can we find the patients that are the most in need and therefore will be most appropriate for the treatment as such in together with what the legs of the actual therapeutics and bringing that all together in your assessment as to how you move forward. Because the unique situation that we have, which I actually can't think of another modality that has this exact same uniqueness as we have, is that, for example, a premature stop codon, we can literally design a single tRNA medicine towards that specific premature stop codon and back in the exact right amino acid. Instead of having the truncated protein, we can restore the full protein. So we can literally choose between any of those diseases that have that same genetic alteration. And that gives us huge possibilities for the future, also with regards to indication expansion. So it's a lot about finding those diseases where we can, with the support of the biology, rapidly establish a proof of concept and then having a path already mapped out as to how would that indication expansion follow on from there on. But in much, I would say, using a lot of data to support those decisions across the board and, of course, working together with patient organizations because otherwise, I mean, that's what really matters and that's what we're very excited about. Awesome. Well, you know, we really appreciate having both of you on the podcast today. I think maybe before we wrap, one question we'd love to ask all our guests is, if you could give your younger selves one piece of advice, what would it be? I think maybe I'll give them a two for one. So one of them, it's not something I would give to myself because it was actually given to my parents, but I think it's a great advice, which is to follow your passion. So find and follow that, that have served me excellently well. The one I would give my younger self would be to stay open-minded about career paths. So I quickly latched on to academia and kind of thought that that was it, you know, mapped it out to emeritus and then death. And I think that being curious about what is out there and all the different opportunities that you just don't get exposed to is really important. And I think that's a really good advice. I think the other one that I would add to that is like, always try to put yourself in someone else's position, either it's in science or if it's in a team meeting or wherever it is, in order to get the most out of the interaction, you know, how can you create that environment where everyone strives? And how can you make sure that you're always thinking about an idea from everyone's perspective? Because I think the possibilities of unlocking something really big becomes much greater than. And that idea of constantly wanting to iterate on your idea towards the next, next thing, that is really fruitful for anything that you're doing. And you should embrace it because that's what takes you to that next level of learning, but also enjoying a journey of understanding. Amazing. It's interesting. I think one of the takeaways, at least I had from that advice is especially in the scientific discipline is having an open mind and how critical that is. Perhaps it speaks more to the closed-minded nature of academia, but certainly seems like you all are sort of challenging the forefront, right, of innovation in a positive way. So, you know, with that, any open positions you want to be able to advertise as a newly launched company or any burning types of talent you're hoping to bring in in the coming months into Alterna? 
we're recruiting across the board. I would say that we are looking to build aggressively over the course of the next year to come. It is both, you know, in RNA biology, it's in the digital framework. We are doing a lot around AI ML. So all of these aspects are areas that we are super excited about continuing to build for the future. And if you just have passion and want to join us in this really incredible, exciting journey, we also have an open call position. So if you don't feel like you fit in any of the job listings, please still uh, submit your candidacy. We'd love to just surround ourselves with brilliant, excited, curious, passionate people. Awesome. Well, with that, we'd love to thank you both for joining us on the podcast today. It was a wonderful discussion and looking forward to having you both on again soon to discuss Alterna's successes in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi, and Alok Tai. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Biotech2050pod. Again, that's Biotech2050pod. Until next time.